0: Welcome in. I feel like I always end up on the Friday shows. Uh, Friday afternoon edition. Friday. Of, it is Friday. Is it, oh. it is Friday, right? Okay, yeah, it's Friday.
1: Yeah, uh, you're right. You're right. Sorry, sorry.
0: <laughs> you caused me to doubt myself. Uh, Friday afternoon edition, DNBR Avalanche podcast. Jesse, Megan, AJ here with you guys. Uh, Rudo was supposed to be here. Uh, but this super fun windstorm that's been blowing through Denver since uh yesterday evening has knocked out his power. So, uh, he might join us at some point, he might not. Who's to say? Uh, we wanted to get this one going for you guys as close to on time as we possibly could. Uh, so that's what we're doing. End of the week. Abs coming off a, uh, a nice win last night, 6-4. to four. They just continue to get it done with this kind of hodgepodge, half-AHL roster. Uh, sounds like Martin Kaut may be going to meet the team in Boston, exactly as we predicted uh, earlier in the week he would. Um, so we'll see what happens there, if it's Anton Bleed, if it's John Luke Foody. Um, <clears throat> we will get into some of that as we kind of wind down the show a bit. But first,
1: Hello. you're – what? How much? How much have you guys talked about the kid in post game pods?
0: JL Foods.
1: Yeah. Uh,
2: I feel like... go ahead, man. A moderate amount. Rudo and I talked about him in the post game last night, and I'm trying to think if we gave him a call out after that Winnipeg game. We didn't, because not not a huge nod, honestly, because of mm. what happened in that game. It wasn't his showing but there's a bit to unpack.
1: Yeah, I mean he was a total train wreck in that game.
0: do, do you guys want to start here? Let's start no. with let's start with foodie. Yeah. Let's start I was, just,
1: I was just curious. I haven't I haven't watched any of the shows so I, I wow. wow
0: wow. No I'm kidding.
2: Are you kidding me? <laughs> I would not let us not talk about John Luke Foodie. I
1: I mean I assumed just because we do we always do a good job of getting into the stuff that fans care about, but uh, you know, I was just curious.
0: no, let's 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 start there because i I didn't get to be on the post game show last night. Um, so yeah, so we are we are gonna get into uh, this central division and kind of where the abs are falling right now, not necessarily just in the standings, but kind of um, in terms of like the power rankings, if you will, where where we kind of see them falling with the Dallas's and the Nashville's and the Winnipeg's and all that stuff. But uh, no, let's, let's start here instead, instead of winding down with this. Um, if, if we don't see John Luke foodie uh, tomorrow, I guess what are kind of your guys' impressions of him in his two NHL games? Uh, Megan, I made the comment to you last night. I didn't think he looked out of place. Um, I thought he, you know, he had that, uh, play there in the corner where he actually drew a penalty uh, getting physical uh, mixing it up with guys. And I made the comment. It's a great way to get Bednar's attention.
2: Just to recapture. I didn't even have a huge issue with how he looked in the Winnipeg game because I had an issue with how everyone looked in the Winnipeg game and his shortcomings defensively were very obvious in that game specifically And he was sheltered, which was to be expected, but not as much as I had thought he would be. And I think the biggest thing is he is still raw to be an NHL regular. I don't think anyone had an expectation otherwise. But he did, in my opinion, stack up well against and alongside NHL talent from a playmaking standpoint. Um, I liked the creativity that I saw in him and the confidence in him to do it too. chemistry seemed to be building between him and Newhook in this most recent game Um, so I really was hoping to get one more game to see how that line develops if he was to join them in Boston and stay for that game at least Um, so the offensive upside excites me he teases at something that definitely I think he has NHL mind when it comes to the offensive side of the game it's the defensive side which has already been pointed out to him That I think he could stand to work on a little bit more and we've talked about it that's a value system that they're really working on with him in Loveland presently so I do still think that there is uh, work to be done there because that side of his game the physicality like how he can goes toe to toe physically with NHL size players is an area that I think he would be vulnerable if he were in the the NHL today. Mm
0: -hmm yeah I mean it's not guaranteed that he gets sent back down uh but if if Martin Cout is in fact joining the team uh it's really one of him or anton bleed AJ uh you got to see him in person uh in in Winnipeg uh, for his limited ice time and what wasn't really a great game for the Avs. uh your thoughts on him on uh, on that night and then uh, from what you saw from him last night
1: um Seeing him live, uh, I have felt like I was on an island. Uh, that I thought, I thought he was. I, I thought that was one of the worst NHL debuts we've seen in years. <laughs> um, him and Jordan Gross last year in that disaster of a game in Nashville. Those are the two worst debuts that I think I've that I can recall um, in a long, like in a long time. Uh, it would. It, I'd have to go back into the like the depths of the David Vandergulicks of the world uh to to try and find one that i thought was worse than what foodie was in winnipeg and megan's right the whole team was bad that night and so it's tough to single out foodie and be like you it was you um i thought but i thought i i was blown away by how bad i thought it was i didn't i didn't find any redeeming qualities in his game um and then I wrote about it in the piece after the game that I hope I hope that the abs keep him so that he gets a, a, a shot at redemption in game two. They did. He did. He took advantage of it. And last night's performance was exactly the, the kind of thing that says, that, that that shows you why the team picked him, why the team has been high on him, why the team has worked so hard to try and develop him. Because uh, just from a stylistic standpoint, there is no player in Colorado's system who better fits their raw identity, Mm -hmm. uh, how they want to play the game at the NHL level, than Jean-Luc Cloutier. He's tailor-made to be an Av, And we saw why last night. We saw the skating. We saw saw a little bit of the feistiness, you know, that that Mm -hmm. hairpin trigger. He got hit and was like, all right, and, you know, saw a man with his back turned and decided to go lay some wood. So, you know, you you like that he stood up for himself. You like that he wasn't afraid of that physicality because uh, to reiterate Megan's point, the the physicality is one of the concerns with him at the NHL level is, is he going to be, is he going to be comfortable with that, uh, with, with that, you know, guys are going to be all over him and guys are going to want to hit him and over and over and over. And is he going to shy away from that contact or is he going to embrace that contact? And, uh, you know, his his skill level, you know, every guy that makes it to the NHL, even the bottom tier guys, those guys have skills. They can play. Mm -hmm. They're pretty, pretty damn good hockey players. But when you get into the NHL, you know, how hard you're willing to work and how hard you're willing to to fight for ice is one of those things that separates you. And I think we saw with foodie last night, just a, a much, a much better overall package, uh, a much better overall presentation of, of who he is as a player uh, and his skills and the vision and the skating and all of that, like it all popped and it's easy to see why I, I still think he's not ready. Um, Mm. I, I think he'll, uh, if, if Cout actually gets, uh, if Cout if joins the team and rejoins the lineup immediately, I think he's probably first to go, which sucks because Colorado's fourth line was an absolute abomination last night and almost cost them that damn game. Um, and I would, I, I would have Anton bleed be first on the chopping block, but of course I say that. Right. Um, but I, <laughs> I don't, I, I just, um, with foodie, I, there was a lot that I, 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 the game two, like I'm willing to bin game one and I'm glad that he got game two as an opportunity to show that what I thought was a, just a brutal game one, um, was, was not who was not representative of who he is.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. I didn't think his first game was that bad, but yeah, no, it definitely wasn't. No, definitely nobody wasn't good. else
1: did, apparently. <laughs> uh, I, I read around all through abs everything, and I was like, maybe this <laughs> just looked a lot worse live. I don't know. Maybe I was just high that night. I definitely well, was not high that night. It was a cold and snowy bullshit <laughs> night.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, it's. I think a lot of it is kind of like what Megan was saying of like, watching it on TV, nobody was good. And so it was kind of hard to pick out individuals who really struggled, but being there, you know, it's, it's, it is, it's easier. And this is why we go to games, right? It's, you can isolate in on guys. You can give a little bit more attention to what is this guy doing maybe away from the puck or, you know, whatever. So, I mean, I don't doubt for a second as you being the only one there that you saw it a little bit differently than everyone else. Like I don't think that's that outlandish like <laughs> of an idea at all. Um, but no, I mean, I, I think we're all in agreement that that first game wasn't great um second game was much 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 better uh and it's gonna be interesting look I, I think we're all expecting it to be uh anton bleed that that sticks uh and foodie to be sent back down but megan and i were just having the conversation the other day that look it's hard to not call it a change in philosophy for this avalanche organization in terms of who they're calling up how they're giving guys looks i mean like literally jared benner told us the other night that they called up oscar allows to get a, a a a look at him to like gauge where he's at uh you know at the NHL level and, and you know we're just trying to get a, a a yeah a gauge on how he looks next to these guys after a good camp that is not something we've seen them do in the past um yeah. just you know kind of get that that litmus test a little bit and so I, I don't know maybe they shock us a bit here.
2: You know, I wanted to add a detail that I don't know if it's well known that when Olauson was called up, Foodie received a personal call from Bednar explaining like, hey, you're on our radar. It's, you know, this is why we're calling out Olauson now, but we are watching you. And Foodie knew that he was on the brink of being called up when Olauson got called up. He knew that he was in consideration for it and had a little bit of a heads up that this might happen. He just didn't know the exact timing of one. And I think that's a really interesting note from the organization that Bednar is giving personal calls to players that he's watching in their development and just giving them compliments and reinforcement. I think it's awesome to hear that kind of thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh, It is is is. a big thing for him to um, look like, Hey, we're keeping an eye on you, you know, um, and I do think that communication with the AHL club is something that needed to get better over the last few years, because you did have guys who felt like, "What am I doing here? You know, why I'm I'm, flou- I'm, doing, I'm playing really good hockey, and they've told me that they like me and that this and that, but then I never get called up and I never hear from them, and there's nothing, right? And so I do think it is it is good and it is encouraging that hey, the NHL the NHL head coach sees you. Uh, and is like, hey, this this is a guy. And look, like that guy just won a Stanley Cup. There's added gravitas there to that guy oh, yeah. calling you up and saying, we think you He's might be able to help know. this team.
0: Yeah. Uh, As I'm trying to fix my microphone here. Well, no. So it's it's funny because I saw an interview with um, Tua Tungabailoa the other day, the quarterback for the uh, Miami Dolphins. And obviously, there's all kinds of buzz around. Uh, their new head coach, AJ, we were talking about him on Twitter last night. Uh, it's Mike McDaniel, right? Yeah. McDaniels. Um, if, if you don't know anything about him, you should just go Google him, watch some videos, uh, you know, some YouTube stuff about this new Dolphins head coach. He's the man. Uh, but this interview with Tua, he was he was talking about what a difference it's made having this, this new coach for him uh, personally. And one of the things he said was, He goes, you know, I think most people, you hope most people know what it feels like to at some point in your life, in your career, work, school, whatever, sports, to have someone tell you that they believe in you and what a difference that makes. And to hear that story right there, like for a guy like Foodie and, you know, for for these guys who are doing good things, who are, you know, playing well, are doing what is being asked of them. Um, you know, I, I was talking, uh, you know, Megan, I think it was on that video that we did the other day after practice where, um, people can sometimes forget that there's a development plan for these guys. And a lot of the times that development plan is for them to play in the HL and not get called up so that they can stay, you know, doing good things or, you know, playing big minutes, whatever it is, playing a bigger role. And it can be sometimes discouraging, I imagine, for those kids who are doing everything that they're asked. They're following that development plan. And at times in the past, maybe it feels like, holy shit, I'm doing everything they're asking of me. Is it being noticed? And I think even a small gesture like a phone call saying, hey, we see you. We, we see that you're doing great things. We see that you're doing what's being asked of you. You're taking the necessary steps and you're on our radar I mean, that could be enough to energize a guy, you know, give him enough of a boost, to, like go through the end of the year,, uh, you know, really on a high note, and then to follow that up with an actual call up. Um, I think that's huge again for a guy like Oscar Lawson, hey, we like what you're doing. We're gonna reward you with a call up. It's just that vote of confidence, that vote of belief that we see you, we like what you're doing, and we believe that that you can help us at the NHL level, at the AHL level, whatever it is. Um, And again, maybe that stuff has happened in the past. I I don't know. Maybe those just aren't conversations that we're privy to, but you hear stuff like that. You see the call-ups. They've made some of the decisions. Um, And like I said, at the start of all of this, it's hard to not say that it seems like there's been some kind of change in philosophy here. And it's great to see. Uh, Anything else on foodie?
1: Kevin McDonald rules. That's all I'm going to say.
2: You know, I actually did want to talk about Kevin McDonald for a second, too, because the Eagles have made some changes, right? They've got this PTO guy now. They've just made a trade for a defenseman this morning. And I have to think that this is, one, a necessity, but, two, thanks to the important scouting that Kevin McDonald knows his familiarity with both the NHL and the AHL, is able to bring in talent that fits the needs of the Eagles' identity Easily. Like the J- guy that David Ferrance
1: will be a good fit.
2: David Ference, a good fit. Yeah. And this uh Cedric, the new centerman that they just brought in, unfortunately, I think he's brought into spurred on by Maltsev's injury probably being more serious than I have any information on beyond that. Um, but he fits in so immediately with this team, this new centerman that they have on the PTO right now. And it's just I can I can only credit Kevin McDonald for having scouted probably both of these players at different points, or at least doing due diligence um, to bring about players that immediately fit this team. So, like, I haven't even seen David Ferrens play yet, to be fair. But I just think that this is also a testament to Kevin McDonald's influence on this team and seeing a problem in the current Eagles lineup and fixing it.
0: It's uh, it's it's been fun to watch the way that this team has transformed, and it really all does kind of go back to the uh, the first year with Jared Bednar, the 48 point year that summer before, when uh, the team really committed to uh, changing the direction and committing to a path, um, identifying types of players that they want to bring in, uh, and and really, you know, you you end up with when you have all of that in place, uh, it starts at the top, and and you you end up with what you got. Right now, a, a successful AHL franchise, a Stanley Cup-winning NHL franchise, uh, and, and it seems like everything they're doing is turning up aces. And like I said, that all starts with Joe Sakic. And speaking of Joe Sakic, Foco is throwing it back to 1996 with a newly released Joe Sakic Stanley Cup celebration bobblehead. Uh, or you can find your Phantom with Foco and all of their officially <clears throat> licensed Avalanche gear. We have teamed up with Foco to secure uh, your access to the best collectibles and gear around. And since the ABS lifted the cup this year in 2022, keep that celebration going. Uh, alongside with your whole family this holiday season with exclusive championship collectibles and merch. Doesn't stop there. Check out the gear and the other merch for all of the Denver sports teams, uh, including uh, the new Rocky City Connect. Uh, they got bobbleheads. they got all kinds of stuff. We got a big Broncos. Uh, what are the, the, the comfy, like the big oversized hoodies? I don't know if it's actually a comfy one, but, uh, yeah, the, the, giant oversized, like fleece hoodie blankets. Uh, I could have used one last week at the bar. I, they hadn't gotten there yet. So I was having to like wrap myself in scars, to stay warm, but now I just got to throw on, uh, yeah, my, uh, my, my oversized hoodie there. Uh, so head on over to foco.com or click the link in this YouTube description. Uh, and for anything that is non-presale, use that code DNVR to get 10% off. Uh, literally I've, I've already gotten stuff for, uh, family members and stuff from them. So, uh, head on over foco. That's F O C O. Also brought to you guys, uh, by Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR, uh, they have a beer for any occasion, and that includes right now the holidays. Uh, all their beers made of 100% renewable energy, and they have some uh, holiday time favorites like the Christmas Ale or the Buddy Pass. Uh, they have obviously the Avalanche Amber Ale, the Vanilla Porter Jr., uh, Mile High City Copper Lager, Bronco's Country Pale Ale, uh, the Fun Slinger, and the Good Company Hard Seltzers. Of course, they have those lemonade seltzers that I always love in the summer. It's a little too sad and depressing for me to have that summer vibe right now because then I'll just get bummed that I can't go drink it outside.
1: Bro, uh, I don't even know that summer exists anymore. I think it's yeah, just a made-up concept by big media.
2: You need <laughs> a big, big weather candle. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. They say. but I do thankfully have uh, all my uh, candles to keep
1: me... Nice and cozy here at home. Please send me sunshine and daffodils. (laughs) Uh,
0: Enter your favorite uh, beer into uh, the... uh, Excuse me. Enter your favorite beer lover into Breck's nice list. Sweepstakes at breckbrew.com and search the nice list. Uh, And of course, use that Breck beer locator to find where Breckenridge Brewery is available near you. DNBR Avalanche Podcast Brought to you guys by DraftKings, Jesse, Megan, AJ hanging out on a Friday. Uh Friday afternoon, it's snow or it's not snowy and gross here. It's just cloudy and gross here and windy. It is snowy and gross where AJ is. It's just gross all around, weather wise right now. Um, unless you're in like South Florida
1: or Arizona. Boo to the weather right now. Or being maybe in San Diego. It's always a great day. Dude, I love San Diego.
0: Love San Diego. Um,
1: all right. Weather seems nice, but Padres fans are the worst.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. It's the... Uh, you got to just stay near the water. Don't go into downtown. The Central Division, I think, is off to a start this year. I don't want to say that none of us expected. I, I actually think it's now kind of shaken out to this point, roughly where a lot of us thought it would be. But it has been a crazy ride getting here. Um, You've got this Dallas Stars team. uh, My my favorite way to refer to them is the NHL's uh, favorite over-35 team. Uh, But now suddenly with this Jason Robertson out of nowhere starting last year, uh, and he's just on a tear this year to help keep them uh, relevant. Not not relevant, but near the top of the division. He's scoring points and goals at a Connor McDavid-like pace. Uh, you have the national predators who's kind of stumbled out of the gates, but have now started to find their game. Chicago and Arizona had a really good start out of the gate. And I actually don't think have won a game since we said that the first time. Um, uh, and then you've got St. Louis who are really kind of embodying what the entire NHL is right now, where they dropped eight in a row and then they won eight in a row. Uh, they're, they're winning Bad games. They're losing good games. Uh, no one really has a good pulse on uh, what the St. Louis Blues are right now. Let's start in the bottom half of this. And I'm not going to ask if either of you guys have thoughts on where Chicago and Arizona are right now. It's all kind of expected. But um, did the way that those two teams started change at all how you looked at them or was it just they got off to a hot start for me like Arizona I actually got a little worried for them for a second I was like oh my gosh are they going to be like too motivated to not be embarrassed and they're going to play their way out of this uh like the top of the lottery AJ you looked pretty like no we we all knew this would happen
1: no I mean uh, I. I, I don't even know how many times I said it this year, but the the first month of the season is just a, a landmine of lies. Uh, <laughs> it, it's just, there's so much stuff um, that you can't reliably take from the first month of the season, where if you go back and you look at the standings after the first month, even the, even, even getting into the start of December, it's like the, the good teams are typically good and stay good. But, um, this year, you're right in that they are there are a case of extremes going around the league, but with Arizona and Chicago, no, there was never any temptation. Um, I think that they got off to a hot enough start that they have a good chance to avoid the ignominious distinction of joining the 48-point Avs as like one of the worst, maybe the worst modern teams ever, Um I will never I let think,
0: Detroit fans forget that had it not been for COVID,
1: yeah, COVID bailed that, them out.
0: That Detroit team would have owned that record, but
1: that's not here nor there. That's something ABS fans and <laughs> that's where that rivalry is. ABS fans and Detroit fans get to fight about that now. <laughs> but Arizona Arizona Chicago, no. I, I just don't think that uh Even, even with the starts that they had, we're talking like they were at like 500. I think Chicago was one game over 500 for a day. And since then, you know, Chicago's one, seven and two in their last 10, Arizona's three, five and two. And it's like neat. They're, they're terrible teams. Um, the big difference is that Arizona might've really found something in Karel Vamelka. um, we saw last year there were a lot of encouraging signs out of him. Um, they gave him a, a multi year deal, and look, Arizona, Arizona, if, if there's one thing, like they can't seem to figure out much as a franchise, but they've got it. They've got goaltending on lock. They everybody that goes down and goes through Arizona comes out better for it. Scott Scott Wedgewood spent a year there and is like a totally serviceable. NHL goaltender. Uh, I mean, dude,
0: it goes all the way back whatever, to I,
1: I mean, it's it's a long like Darcy Kemper's career was done. He goes to Arizona and he turns it around. Now look at the guy. Right. Look where his career is. Look at the reputation that he has uh, as as a good goaltender. Uh, and and that wasn't really the case. That started in Arizona. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. he was on waivers. Was like. I mean that's that's the franchise that that helped resurrect Devin Dubnik's career. Like the Arizona Arizona just whatever it is about what they do at goaltending, they get it and Vimelka mm-hmm. looks like he could be a, a a serious like deep dive find for that organization.
0: Yeah. Uh Megan anything to add on those bottom feeder teams?
2: The reason it's not surprising to me The starts they had and now what seems to be stabilizing for them is what they did in the offseason was more revealing of, I think, their intentions for the season. Like, I think Arizona, I would describe their offseason moves as neutral or laterally moving. And Chicago just completely blank slate, cleaned house, aiming, gearing up for a rebuild. Like, that's why it's unsurprising to me that these are two teams in the position that they're at.
1: Two teams that are going to get worse too, because if they if Arizona can ever figure out how to get rid of Jacob Chikrin for a price that it wants, and Chicago moving Kane and Taves at the deadline, those are two teams that could really be like hardcore chasing mm-hmm. the bottom.
0: Yeah, yeah, uh, that <laughs> it's a great point. They 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 haven't reached the bottom yet. Uh, just I'm just going to go upward here. We're just going to kind of do a quick run through, and then we'll we'll get into which teams you really need to kind of specifically be watching uh again i mentioned st louis off to a really weird start and then nashville uh just not the start that maybe they had anticipated uh you know i mean i guess they were looking for guys to have back-to-back career years and wouldn't you know it that's just not quite the case yet uh st louis megan i'll start with you on this one for me this team I i mean like I don't know. I don't necessarily want to use the word pretender, but like they have a lot of telltale signs for a team that AJ says it every year. There's always one of those teams that everyone thinks is going to be good. And they just kind of miss the mark. Don't make the playoffs. I look at their goaltending and I look at the inconsistencies. And to me, this is a team that has all the telltale signs of that one team that everyone thinks should be really good, but ends up missing. Uh, how do you kind of see the St. Louis Blues? And then uh, if you have anything on the on the Preds as well.
2: I think with St. Louis, you're only as good as your goaltender. And it's such an emotional position. He has proven to be such a volatile and emotionally reactive goaltender. And I think some of his struggles could be attributed to that, that beyond just performance, I think that is going to bleed into the culture in that locker room in a way that I think has presented an identity crisis in this St. Louis team. Like I look through the lineup and the production is pretty well distributed through a lot of their forward. And so I think that that is something that could be a benefit to them. But unlike some of these other teams, like even just looking at Nashville alongside it, Nashville is so top heavy. They have clear stars, right? In Forsberg and Duchesne. Um, Even Roman Yossi is still... continuing to contribute offensively from the blue line, like they have these star power qualities that are obvious even in other central division teams. Whereas with St. Louis, the star power qualities isn't as obvious to me that alongside the identity crisis and concern with goaltending, Just makes me, if I'm a St. Louis fan, a bit concerned because it feels volatile. I've described Bennington that way, but it feels like it is so unstable and could really go a lot of different directions that I wouldn't count them out, right? This is a team that does have good leadership in Ryan Mm O'Reilly. But beyond that, there are some big concerns that are going to be hard to address in a single season.
0: Well, this comment that just came in, it says uh, from Anthony, David Perron was the glue that held everything together for St. Louis. Also, their D sucks. Um, we, I mean, we talked about that a bunch. That we thought that losing David Perron was a much bigger hit to that team than maybe they let on or a lot of people gave it credit for. Uh, this is a team that relied a lot on its, um, uh, you know, its depth scoring. We heard at nauseam about the 920 goal scorers, da 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 da. Um, David Perron was kind of the heartbeat of that, the engine of that, that uh, <laughs> drove that that offense, that depth scoring. Uh, yeah, you said, Megan, the, the, the top-end talent isn't as obvious there. Uh, AJ, thoughts on St. Louis, Nashville, this group that's kind of making up the middle of the pack right now?
1: Yeah, so St. Louis is, um, more than anything else, they're brutal defensively. Um, they might be one of the worst defensive teams in the NHL. Um, they're not good at five on five, just like they weren't very good at five on five last year. But Billy Huso's not there to bail them out. Jordan Biddington is once again having a subpar season. Um, boof. Talk about streaky, though. I mean, he goes through, he'll have five games where he's got a 940 save percentage and then five games where he's an 860 goaltender. Yeah. And you're just like, that's. Too intense, man. Yeah, But yeah. if you go and you look at the underlings of that team, he's getting hung out to dry a lot. Um, but he's probably actually played better than we want to give him credit for because we all hate him. Um, but the defense in front of him, the team in front of him, just defensively as a group, they're horrible. Just horrible. Uh, and they're not uh, playing the way that they are right now. They're not going anywhere. Uh, they drive play uh, at at a slightly above average rate. They actually do offensively. They are still and look like they're they're deep at forward. You know when you've got a Ryan O'Reilly and a Braden Shen and Tarasenko and and Pavel Buchnevich mm-hmm. and Jordan Cairo and Robert Thomas, like that is a deep forward group. They are talented. They are more talented than they've shown this year. Jordan Cairo and Robert Thomas both got paid in the summer. And there's always the big wonder what happens to young players who get paid because a lot of times those guys continue their ascent, but there are, there are very real concerns that Jordan Cairo in particular got paid and is happy. And and to be honest with you, being happy isn't part of the part of the playbook of being successful NHL player. You need to be hungry. You're not happy. And there have been questions about how hungry those two guys are, Thomas and Kairu. And I, I think that, you know, the we, we talked about the loss of Peron, but the fact that the fact that Cairo in particular looks like he's taken maybe a small step back. I know he's he's been on fire lately. Um, and maybe that's just him finding his game or whatever, but I I just don't think that they're good enough. Um, they have to outscore their problems and they need Jordan Bennington to be great. Um, I don't see stylistically. There's not much difference between Winnipeg and St. Louis right now. Uh, the big thing is, is that St. Louis is worse defensively than the jets and Connor Hellebuck is a God amongst men. And Jordan Bennington is a, Shithead that nobody likes. Yeah, except people in St. Louis because they have to
0: least less likable guy in the league right now than Jordan Binnington.
1: I Um, mean, Evander Kane still exists, so yeah. But I mean, the fact that you're in the same category, not not uh, not great.
0: (laughs) What's crazy about where Jordan Binnington is a little bit different than Evander Kane was like everyone everyone like saw all the off the ice shit and was like oh man evander kane's a piece of shit none of his teammates like him and he's you know he's fucking crazy or whatever the fuck jordan binnington got people to hate him because he's such a dickhead on the ice and then once people were like oh this guy sucks and then they found out he's just kind of an asshole in real life and i was like oh this guy really sucks it's hard to get a reputation as like just being an overall shitty human being from like your hot, like from what you do on the ice, let alone coming to find out you're actually just kind of a shitty person. He's the worst. I can't stand AJ thoughts on Nashville or is this just kind of, for me, this is exactly Uh, what I kind of thought Nashville would be.
1: Yeah. I I think the big disappointment for me with Nashville this year is just that UC Soros, had such a slow start, but now that now that you see them starting to pick it up a little bit and getting kind of back to where they were last year, um, it's goaltending has been better. Um, that's that's really where these teams in the Central are. Uh, the they're all deeply flawed and need goaltending. To really 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 elevate them Um, and John Miller who apparently thinks I'm wrong
0: I was going to say by the way John Miller he didn't say they're the same he said they are stylistically the same that's very very very
1: well and yeah the big difference there is if you put Connor Hellebuck in if you switch goaltenders they probably switch places in the standings so if you put Jason Robertson on Arizona and take him away from Dallas I'd be willing to bet those two teams would do different things in the standings, too. Um, so, you know, anyway. Um, with Nashville, I think, yeah, we saw five career years out of their top guys last year, and it was predictable that that wasn't going to continue. Um, I, I liked them more as a team this year. I thought they were a little deeper, but they just have not... I don't know I, I i feel the same way that i do about nashville as i do minnesota where i think there's more there but i'm just not really sold that uh, nashville just overall doesn't feel very good to me i i think they're just they're just okay
0: yep i'm with you um let's talk Minnesota and then we'll get into these top three teams. Cause I really do think there's a bit of a separation here. Um, AJ, you mentioned Minnesota the other day as a team. Uh, I mean, it was kind of in passing. We weren't really talking about playoffs or not playoffs, but that this is a team that you could see, uh, as potentially having to be in a fight late for a playoff spot and potentially even ending up on the outside looking in. Honestly, I think all of these teams that we've talked about um, thus far could kind of be in that range. Uh, this Minnesota team has taking a big step back uh, from what we've seen the last two years. Uh, Marc-Andre Fleury has been fine. He's been fine. Uh, but, man, are they really leaning on Kirill Kaprizov right now. Um, Either of you guys have any strong thoughts on Minnesota, or, again, for me, this is a little bit of kind of what was expected when they made those buyouts two years ago. We all knew that this regression was coming at some point. Uh, I mean, look, a guy that they were trying as their 1C Early in the year, they just waved and gave away for free in Tyson Jost. Uh, what do you guys see here in this in this Minnesota team? Kirill Kaprizov leading the way with 30 points. Uh, next closest is his linemate, Matt Zuccarillo, at 22.
2: I mean, Kirill Kaprizov is the real deal by himself. Like, mm-hmm. 11 of those points come about just in the last five games. He is so prolific as a scorer that he can help – paper over a lot of the problems that Minnesota has they will still have the problems that they have and the concern in net for me is still very real and I don't know if that significantly gets better and so they're counting on then filling in some holes in their forward group that I think they will have to address at the deadline if they don't I don't see it happening for them even with Kaprizov like I could see Kaprizov pretty single-handedly dragging them to a wild card spot but it's it's going to take a lot there and a lot going right in net for them for me to see that happening.
0: They also, uh, you know, Matt Boldy, he's, he's up to 17 points now in 22 games. Uh, He's on a nice little uh, streak right now that has really helped uh, buoy that six points in his last four games, but there was a little bit of talk. I mean, just a couple weeks ago about, do you maybe need to send this guy down? He went, I think nine games or eight games with only one point. Um, Marco Rossi maybe hasn't had the start to the year that they were anticipating, um, in Iowa, uh, excuse me. No, I'm sorry. He was, he was with the wild, uh, just one point in Barely. six, 16 games. Uh, and I believe he's been sent back down to the Iowa wild. Uh, so just, you know, the young guys, maybe not taking the exact steps that they thought, uh, Megan, you're, you're totally right. Kuroka Kaprizov's, uh, he, he he's the real deal.
2: Is also, Kalen Addison's a young player who is has taken a step forward that I want to give him credit for too. Like, I, I was kind of oversimplifying here what I was saying, but Addison is a young player that has done what he's needed to do.
0: Yeah, uh, one goal and 11 points in 22 games for Addison. Uh, AJ, again, for me, this is we knew this type of year would come eventually for the wild, and, and I actually think next year it maybe gets a little bit worse. Uh, how do you see these guys?
1: Um, I mean, I I don't know. I think, I think Minnesota is pretty bad offensively as a whole. Um, Kaprizov is obviously just a... He's unbelievable and should get strong heart consideration if they push for the postseason again. Uh, defensively, I still think they're pretty good. I still think that they, as a group, they really make it hard for other teams. Um, their special teams have also been really good. I think both... I think both units are in the top 10. Um they're handling Marco Rossi this year. Downright bizarre. Uh they, they like 16 games he barely played. Uh he was just not I I thought they were going to give him like a more serious look. Um Matt Boldy's fine. Like Matt Boldy's a good player. He's going to continue to be a good player. He it's it's really hard to be a be the best guy on your line by a lot when you're a wing and like that's part of what makes Caprizov so special he's one of the very very few wings that does everything for a team he drives play he's he lifts everybody else up he has all the qualities of a center he just plays on the wall (laughs) um just and and Boldy's Boldy's really good he's just not that he's not at that level um after that though they they really just like Joel Eriksson Eck is fine that's a good player, but um, that can't be your one C man. It just can't be. But he's just not. He's just not that guy. He's not good enough. Um, and to be honest with you, in terms of being a two C, he wouldn't even be a high end two C. So um, you know, Eric, Eric Senate. Like I, I think the Wilds suffer from they've got their their top forwards beyond Caprizov are good, but not great. Um, they, they have good role players, you know, a guy like Marcus Felino um, really makes, is like a great glue guy and, and is great at everything that he does. But again, like can't be one of your best forwards. Um, uh, can't be right. so important to a team. Um, that would be like on a healthy abs team, Logan O'Connor being their <laughs> fifth, best forward. You know, like it, right. it, it just can't be the case. Um, Minnesota for me is really just they—they um, they are not good enough offensively, but defensively, um, they—I think their defense keeps them in it, and they are getting just what they need out of out of their goaltending. to to stay competitive uh i i I don't know how to feel about them i think ultimately i think they switch places with winnipeg as the season goes on really um yeah um i do i do think that the jets are in for a bit of a tumble here um
0: but you think minnesota is a team that fills that gap
1: I, I do, I do. I, I mean, between Minnesota, Nashville, and St. Louis, somebody's got to do it. And <laughs> Minnesota is kind of the team that I've liked for that spot all all season. Before even before the season, they were kind of my team to watch. Um, I I I like I I I think that Minnesota's formula works in the regular season, um, <laughs> and I don't think that it's a high wire act. Uh, I think that. I guess we'll get, we'll talk about it, but I think that the jets are kind of a high wire act and with, with Minnesota, I think that a big thing that I pay attention to uh, is teams that win games in regulation Mm -hmm. and the wild are doing that, Um, you know, about, about the same level that the other teams around them, except the jets are. And so that's why I think that I've, I've got them switching places at, at some point.
0: Um, Fair enough, and obviously, Fair.
1: like I, I do think Colorado climbs um, those standings once they get healthy.
0: Yeah, and we are going to talk about uh the Jets, the Abs, and then we'll talk about the Stars here. Uh, this is the DNVR Avalanche Podcast, brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook and Hockey Fans. You can light the lamp this winter with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. New customers can bet just five dollars on a pregame money line, on any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. that wasn't enough excitement, you can turn small bets into bigger payouts with same-game parlays. Uh, Combine multiple bets, like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, uh, and even more than that uh, for your shot at an even bigger payout. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code DNBR. Bet just $5 on any NHL team to win a game. Get $1. $150 in free bets if they do only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code DNVR. Uh, Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See the notes here in this show for more details. Also brought to you guys by our great friends over at Athletic Greens. All this cloud cover today, I could use some Athletic Greens. Uh, This really has become uh, for, for myself, my fiance, Hannah, uh, kind of our go-to morning routine. Uh, neither of us are coffee drinkers. Uh, this helps get us energized, get us a little bit of a boost in the morning. Uh, especially now, like I said, in these cold kind of snowy, gross, uh, weather months, we also, uh, you know, she got a sinus infection a couple of weeks ago, uh, drinking that AG one, like it really did. It made a difference for her, uh, by no means did it <laughs> cure her sinus infection. Uh, but it did, you know, she'd have a couple a day, honestly, just cause it helped kind of boost her up a little bit, gave her that a little bit of an immune, uh, system boost that just helped her feel a little bit better. She kind of get some tasks done around the house. Uh, so she wasn't just laying in bed all day. She's, uh, she's one of those people that hates just laying around, even when she's sick. So AG one helped her kind of get that energy back up. Uh, and especially now going into the holidays is a great time. Uh, To get this as a gift, help someone or yourself reclaim your health, arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, uh, especially now that we are in the heart of flu and cold season. I feel like everybody I know uh, has someone that they know is sick, has a family member that's sick.
1: Both both Z and I have been sick for like four days now.
0: See, and you didn't take any AG1 up there with you. You would have been over this two days ago had you just taken some AG1. Uh, But... All jokes aside, everyone is sick right now, so there's no better time to beef up your immune system a bit. And it's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. Uh, You don't need to take a bunch of different pills and supplements and all that stuff. It's one scoop in your water, and you are uh, good to go. And to make it easy, uh, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash avalanche athleticgreens.com slash avalanche uh, to take ownership of your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. This is the DMVR Avalanche podcast uh, brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. Jesse, Megan, AJ, winding down-ish, but we've still got three teams to go over here uh, in the Central on this uh, Friday afternoon. We're going to start with the abs because they are currently sitting in uh, third in the center right now with 27 points, 21 games played. Um, Obviously, the injuries are well documented. We don't need to uh, get into all of that. Look, we we talk a lot about the abs and what the injuries mean and uh, all of this stuff, so I don't think we need to really spend much time on them here. We're really kind of looking at what else is going on um, around the central, so let's just jump here to Winnipeg. Uh, Winnipeg shuts the ABS out a couple nights ago in Winnipeg.
1: Can I can, yes. I, can I make one note about the ABS real quick? Please, um, just the one the one thing because we've talked a lot about the injuries, but also the schedule has really not laid out nicely for them. Um, were it not for the canceled game in Nashville, uh, when the ABS finished this road trip that they're currently on, they would have played they would have played uh 16 road games versus 8 home games. And I'm that's me counting the home game in Finland as a road game because right. Finland is not in Colorado. Right. Um as it is, it'll still be 15 and 8. Uh and they will have done most of their eastern travel already. Uh by the time when by when this road trip finishes, they will have done most of their eastern trips. That's the fact that the fact that they're surviving the way that they are, but they're not sitting at home just feasting on home games. I think is the, the the combination of those two makes it impressive where they are and what they're and and how they've stayed afloat. Like we're not sitting here telling you that they're dominating. They're not. Their results have probably outpaced their actual on ice play a little bit, um, because they're a very middle of the road team. In terms of how they play, their fancies team wide, all that stuff, um, it's just okay. And when you're missing an entire second line out of your forward core, all of this is to be expected. But I did, I do just want to say that the the home road thing I think is really important because uh, they've got they've got twelve of their twenty one games are. Uh, on the road, and it's really 13 of their 21 because of Finland, the canceled game in Nashville uh, kept it from being a little bit worse and gave them an advantage against the Stars at home the next day, uh, which they took advantage of, by the way. And they um, that's a big thing, is that right about the time that they might start to get some of these guys back healthy at the end of this road trip, you know, Nachushkin and Byram have started to make appearances here and there. Um, the month of december nine of uh, after after this road trip nine of 12 games at home um so if they were going to make a serious move in the standings december's the time to do it
0: they are again counting the the home game in finland um, as not a home game the abs are 8-3 and 0 on the road uh, and then to aj's point right now uh they are they are in the middle of playing uh, I believe it's 13 games in 25 nights. Um, so, yeah, never using it as a uh, uh, an excuse, but schedule has not been kind to the ABS.
1: Uh, it's Winnipeg, a tough setup, man. It's a yeah, tough setup, and it was a, like you'd prefer to have the injuries this time of year just because you don't want them in the second half of the season. But this was the tougher portion of their schedule Yeah. to get to the December 7th mark. After this, it's pretty even the rest of the year. It balances between home road, home road a lot better. But this was the hard part, was getting to December 7th. And they're two games away. Even if they lose both of those games, you have to feel like they've done a damn admirable job of staying afloat with everything going on.
0: For sure. So 100%. anyway, we can move on. No, you're good. Uh, no, I, I think I think all that was was spot on. Um, Winnipeg, they shut the ABS out a couple nights ago. Um,
1: Don't you mean they won the Stanley Cup a couple nights ago?
0: Yeah, that's what I. Yeah, that's what I. That's what I said, right? Um, <laughs> and, and look, you know, again, the the game is what it is. You have games, you have winners, losers. That's not really how I'm defining this team. AJ, you said that you think this is a bit of a high wire act. Um, look, this team is kind of gone as Connor Hellebuck has the last couple of years. Everyone was expecting a big year out of them last season and they missed the playoffs. Uh, People had kind of written them off coming into this year. uh, And they're near the top of the central division. What the F is this Winnipeg team?
1: Number, number one, man, um, they have eight regulation wins out of 14. So, when I was talking about, I want teams that win in regulation. Those are teams. Those are those are teams that are getting it done. Um, you know, within the 60 minutes. Those are teams that are winning games. That's repeatable. That's sustainable. Uh, the Jets. The Jets. 14 wins right now. They've got eight in regulation. They have six overtime wins and one overtime loss. You're six and one in a coin flip format. 20 games into the season. So when I say that, I think that they're that they're a little smoke and mirrors right now. It's not to say that I don't think that they're a decent team. It's not to say any of that. It's not to say that I don't think they're going to push for a playoff spot. I do. But this is absolutely why I'm not buying them pushing for the Central Division title. And unless in, in they start changing that up. And, and the only significant injury that they have right now is Nikolai Ehlers. And I say only, but he's very very good uh so i don't want to i don't want to take away and be like oh well the Evs injuries but nicola ehlers is no big deal he's a big deal he's a big part of that um the fact is is that without him their offense this year has driven play at just under league average uh they are negative in every fancy stat that we look at um they're they're coursey their shots for their scoring chances uh high danger chances all of those things, uh, their expected goals, scoring chances is the only one above fifty percent, and it's at fifty-one. So you're talking everything else is in the forties. So they're giving up more. It, this is really just Connor Hellebuck. Connor Hellebuck is this good. It's why it's why he should be. Um, he's on his way to another Vesna finalist kind of season, maybe even winning the thing. He's just exceptional. He is the thing. He is the thing that papers over all the problems in Winnipeg. And last year, he was good, not great, and we saw what happened. This year, he's back to being stand on his head every night, God amongst men level of good, and you're seeing the result of it. You're seeing their their PDO. Um, the Jets PDO is fourth highest in the NHL. Um, if you don't know that, that's kind of a measure of luck. It's one of those things uh, that it does. It typically normalizes over 82 games, 20 games. Lots of things can happen. The big thing: the Jets are third, and with a 5v5 save percentage uh, of 94%. Now, right ahead of them is Colorado. Mm -hmm. Um, We know that the Abs are surviving on a power play Uh, that that is unsustainably good, that is unbelievable, and will not. It just will not continue. Uh, Colorado's like thirty-three percent or whatever of a power play. Just it just won't. At some point, it's gonna it's gonna slow. But with the Jets, it's really them getting into games beyond regulation. Some of that is they've blown a couple of games. Um, uh, you know, like the one that they got into with the Stars the other day. That was bullshit. They sh- they should have won that in regulation. They got cheated, but. Still, when you're 6-1, 20 games into the season in and, and overtime, for me, that's a number one thing, especially when all the other numbers at 5v5 show you as a, as a about the 20th best team in the NHL. So that's, why, that's my main reason why I think they're switching spots with the Wild as time goes on. Hellebuck can continue to be great, but right now they are setting up to be this year's New York Rangers. And, and I can tell you, this city would take a Western Conference final appearance. <laughs> they would be happy with that. They don't give a shit what the team's course is if they get to those Western Conference finals.
0: Well, it's funny because we talked about that a lot with, coincidentally, Minnesota last year. They won a ton of games in overtime. And I yeah. just remember one of the things, you know, us talking about was, that's great. You get into the playoffs and you don't get three on three overtime.
1: No, um, and, you have to play five on five. You have to yeah. You have to win. You have to win big boy hockey. But we're not in the postseason yet. That's a completely different conversation. Every year, there's a couple of teams that feast on overtime success, and that propels them into a postseason uh, birth. Winnipeg has uh, their early results has set up for them to be that team. right now, like like the face <laughs> of that archetype. Uh, we'll see as the year goes on if that continues or not, but. Um, that's the number one reason why I'm skeptical of their success at this level. Continuing, I, I, I want to clarify, like, and just make sure, so Winnipeg doesn't murder me while I'm here. <laughs> I think they're a quality team. It's just Connor Hellebuck is 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 making them better than they are. And yeah. hey, if you're gonna have a best player, it being a goaltender is not a bad one to have.
0: Yeah, not a bad, not a bad choice there, Megan. Anything to add on this? <clears throat> excuse me, on this Winnipeg team. Uh, that, like I said, has really kind of been in flux the last couple of years in terms of who Everything. everyone kind of thinks they are?
2: I don't have much to add in disagreement with what AJ's saying because I think he understands this team more intimately than I do. But I do think some things that help make Winnipeg, this version of them, more competitive from last season are the criticisms that stemmed from the locker room culture I have heard that the culture in the room this year is 90 different from what it was last season in a positive way. That could change you know throughout the course of a season too. but just hearing how healthy it sounds um, is something that I think will also help the team through the course of a season that I, I'm giving some credit to. The addition of Nick Ehlers when he does return to, that's a top-line winger that you absolutely want in your lineup and to probably inject some offense that is much needed. I anticipate Hellebuck will continue to be as excellent as he is. And just in what I've seen of them when they play the Avs specifically, I do like what I see in their level of compete when they play a team like the Avs. And so it's why I'm not counting them out, and that's not to say that AJ is. I don't think he is at all. It's just why I... I actually do have a pretty high opinion of the Jets um, and a lot of curiosity surrounding them.
0: For sure. Curiosity surrounding the Jets, I definitely think, is the theme of that franchise. Uh, we're already over an hour here, so let's go ahead and jump to the Dallas Stars, uh, who for me have been the surprise team of the Central, not that I thought they wouldn't be competitive. Uh, I just didn't see them being in this spot and a lot of that, most of that, uh, is being driven by Jason Robertson just taking his game uh, to a to an all-new level uh, and and predictably making that weird contract uh, immediately kind of Nathan McKinnon-esque where this dude is looking criminally underpaid. Uh, AJ, several eye rolls there. Are you not buying the stars because of how much it's being driven by Jason Robertson?
1: Yeah, I mean, we're, we're talking about, um, you know, PDO and things uh, with the Jets. It, all of this shit is true with the Stars at um, a higher level. Mm-hmm. Um, they're shooting 10.5% at 5v5, and they've got an elite power play. Um, if you have a guy with an MVP caliber season, like what Jason Robertson has started to put together, you can, you can get away with a lot. Um, but they're beyond, beyond that line. They are not in the same conversation as Colorado. They don't have help coming. Uh, They need this resurgent Jamie Ben scoring a bunch of goals on the power play to continue. They, they need Wyatt Johnston to continue to produce, uh, in a, in a depth role and, and actually be a goal, a goal scorer for them. They need those. They need that help. They need Jake Ottinger to be the man, um, they don't have the kind of reinforcements that Colorado has coming um, to just prop them up and make them a lot better. Once the special team starts to calm down, because these these special teams will um, will will chill out some. You know, I'm not. It may not be a massive drop, but um, also the the coming back uh, from deficits thing. We we see this every year. You know. Yeah. This this might be this might be a, a great formula for winning regular season games and right now it's the regular season so that's what matters. Dallas is going to Dallas is I think Colorado's main competition for winning the division right now. Um and wow, it's a big limb that I go out on picking the team that has uh, that is leading the division after playing first. Games. But if you also look around, uh they are the worst first place team and that is still a team that has had a lot go right for them. They have the lowest, when I say the worst, I mean, they have the lowest point total of any team in first place in any of the divisions. They'd be third place in the Pacific, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, they'd be third place in the Atlantic. They'd be second place in the Metro, but with teams immediately behind them. Um, what one, one and two points behind them.
0: And they've also, they've played 24 games, which is uh, on the high end of what teams Have played Megan uh, on this show. Not that we were skeptical of Drake, Jake Ottinger, but we were ones to make sure to say, pump the brakes. The kid had seven outstanding games following a good regular season. Uh, He's looked solid. Your thoughts on this Stars team? Like AJ, you know, AJ pointed out the comebacks. I am always skeptical of teams that have these you know, amazing late game comebacks and scoring goals with the goalie pulled and um, all that stuff. When things go just like that, right. For one group, I'm always a little bit skeptical. How do you see this Dallas stars team, Megan?
2: It's another one. Like I talked about star power, top heavy teams. And I do look at Robertson and Robertson line as being the line of this team, but I do have some concern then just on how the rest of the forward group contributes. And then Ottinger has also been a positive of this team that instills confidence in my belief that they will remain competitive with the Avs, um, because I do think Ottinger is an excellent young goaltender, and I think that he is just genuinely good and will continue to be good uh, for this team, that the goaltending isn't an area of concern the way it is with other teams like Minnesota, for example. That is kind of on paper described very similarly to this Dallas team. Um, But they're also just so well coached and have a lot of players who are experienced and know what it takes to win at a very high level of hockey. Those are some things that Dallas has um, in their arsenal that I think give them an edge and why I think they will be competitive throughout the course of this season. But some of those areas are concerned will be how depth will be able to contribute throughout the course of the year, too. Abs have similar questions to answer. So that's why I, I think these are going to be two teams going at it for this regular season.
0: Yeah, um, I think I think everyone yeah kind of feels the same. But it it should end up being uh, Dallas and Colorado there at the end. Honestly, running through this division, talking through these teams, I really do think outside of a healthy Colorado at the top, uh, and then Chicago and Arizona at the bottom. I think you've got four teams there in the middle that are really kind of they're just the Spider Man meme. You know what I mean? Like they're just they're all. Same, same, but different. They're, they're flawed versions of, of playoff contenders. Uh, and it's going to be really interesting to see how uh, this all shakes out. And if what we were saying at the beginning of the show, with it being such a streaky league right now, um, how much is that going to affect it? You know, are we going to see the Blues all year just trading winning and losing streaks? Um, can Jason Robertson keep this up? Can Connor Hellebuck uh, stay in this form all year? Uh, I think there's a lot of really interesting questions to uh, have answered by this central division, uh, the, the central division in general, and something tells me this will not be the last show we have where we talk about uh, this and kind of where all these teams sit.
1: I will say, man, the one thing you do really like with Dallas is goal differential doesn't lie, and mm-hmm. being at plus twenty, plus twenty-seven, twenty-four games into the season is no joke.
0: So you said that you said you made a comment earlier, AJ, about. Um, uh, regulation wins being kind of a, a, a tell of where a team is at. I, I exactly said, I always like to use goal differential as, you know, a a, a quick, if you're, if you're, if, for me, like if you're looking to look at one thing for how good or bad is a team, um, I think goal differential is a really nice, easy stat. That's easy to find that can kind of give you an, give you an idea of, um, where teams are at, you know, are, are these teams? So like you look at St. Louis, they're winning close games and getting blown out. They're right at about 500, but they're negative 17 goal differential. So like, yep. you know, those are the types of teams that concern you. Uh I look across the Pacific LA is 13 and nine, but they are in the negative. They're in minus three goal differential. Like what is, happening with that team where you have a winning record but you're being outscored. Um and and so I, that that is always one I think that's a great call out. Uh the abs do sit second in the central with a plus 18 goal differential with which honestly I don't remember which one of you said it that their their results are maybe outpacing their on ice play a little bit. That is a really really impressive goal differential yeah. for a team dealing with the type of injuries they are and the roster they've got right now sitting at a plus 18 uh to me that that says a lot about this abs team um any final thoughts from either of you guys on the central the league the abs call-ups anything like that before we get out of here for the for the
2: week the official week
0: we have a show tomorrow
2: the eagles called up cam Wright.
0: yeah (laughs) saw that
1: yeah they uh uh they called up I can't remember his name. The other guy first, and then they Zach. also called up Cam, right? Yeah, we'll call him Zach. I also don't know how to say his last name. It's
2: like Secos. Yeah. The T is silent? Seekos.
1: Um, To answer the question in chat, we don't know what's up with Josh Manson. Uh, he only played mm-hmm. 10 minutes last night, and um, I went back and watched his last shift, and didn't, I didn't see anything, uh, I so I don't know. Uh, I did mention on Twitter last night he has a a thing with his elbow, um, that he's dealt with most of his career, where occasionally it like locks up on him, uh, and it has taken him out of games in the past, um, and it could just be that I don't know. That's purely speculative on my part, um, but it 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 does seem unlikely that they would have benched him. Uh, last night in the one goal game, you know, whatever um but who knows i guess we'll find out tomorrow if the abs actually made it two whole games in a row without (laughs) injury, without like real injury so
0: yeah we'll see juries out on that one uh that's gonna do it for today like i said we are done with regular pods uh for the week uh we do have a pre and post game show coming at you guys uh tomorrow night uh tomorrow evening is the abs are in boston five o'clock local start here so we will have you guys all covered on that we should have rudo back uh his power should hopefully be restored by then uh for megan and aj we had ali run on the board today i'm jesse montano this is the dnvr avalanche podcast brought to you by DraftKings sportsbook thank you guys so much for listening we'll talk to you tomorrow